And a very good morning to you. We've got some new residents from Miller's Lane. Not for long, I can tell you, but stay tuned for that. Also today, we're looking at uh, a major fundraiser coming the way. We've got family therapy on today's programme. The farmers are not happy with the vote to take place in Europe today. We'll be going to that shortly. We've got new information on the pandemic experience indeed and those that lost loved ones during the uh, pandemic. It's no good to them, but the report is quite strong. Go Gardi indeed uh, join us on today's programme. Looking for your assistance. And we have trending topics and much more between now and 12 minutes, including some wonderful music from France and the Czech Republic. All of that and more between now and midday. Now, I got a text this morning just on the way into work uh, this morning and uh, it wasn't a very pleasant um, text to get, I have to say. Yesterday we spoke about Miller's Lane and the damage which had been done and today I'm joined uh, by two people on the line because further damage is about to be done. And I'm joined on the line by Councillor John Connolly and I'm also joined uh, uh, on the line by Anthony Trill. Anthony, are you with me all right there? Yeah, Keith, I'm here, yeah. joining us. Uh, you were on to me quite early this morning. You're... Uh, facilities coordinator with Galway Bohemians and you've got some new residents that you woke up to this morning in Miller's Lane on the pitches if you don't mind Yeah Keith um, unfortunately uh, called that no one wants to get uh, about 7 o'clock this morning see the photograph um, half dozen or eight horses running around free on uh, the playing pitch in Miller's Lane so you can imagine I'm absolutely fuming disgusted and heartbroken all in one so the emotions are quite high at the moment I, I wouldn't say that you're emotional. I would say you're very cross because you were on to me earlier this morning. You've done everything you can to try and protect the lands in Miller's Lane. Yep. Uh, just bear with me because uh, John Connolly needs to get into a meeting as well, but he joins you on the line. Councillor Connolly, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. You got the same text I got around quarter to seven this morning from Anthony. Um, well, yeah, I woke up for Keith. I mean, it was the most bizarre thing to, to see, the most bizarre and disappointing thing to see. Um, five ponies, I think, that are out there on the pitch. Um, and it's, it's just incredible to think of um, what might have brought them there. Uh, I suppose, you know, the Gardaí well, have been there all morning. Their, They're they, trying to they didn't walk there on their own, John Ranty, now at this stage. They were, they were, no, deli- they were no. delivered there. Yep. Yeah, the, the Gardaí have been there all morning, Keith. I've spoken to the Gardaí a number of times already this morning about the issue. Um, and, you know, they have shared that opinion, and as, as do I, that they were brought there. Now, what's interesting about that is that, uh, and I haven't spoken to anybody in Gurkrania, but certainly talking to people in Gurtner Road this morning, nobody seems to have heard anything, a uh, truck or vehicle that might have brought them there. Um, and so it, it, they may have been walked there, of course. That, that we can't rule that out. Uh, it's just surprising that whatever time of the night that might have happened, that they wouldn't have been spotted by somebody else, that somebody might have contacted the Gardaí prior to that. Yeah. Um, but you're right about one thing, and Anthony's very, I mean, I mean, his disappointment, I'm afraid, is well, he, he's right to be disappointed because, unfortunately, I can see already there is substantial damage done to the pitch uh, and, you know, it's just so disheartening and disappointing that somebody with that intent would bring them there knowing that they have that potential to damage the, the pitch like that. It's quite shocking, Anthony. I'll go to you in a moment. But, I mean, I'm looking at the, the yeah. videos that have come in here uh, today. And, Anthony, what you're concerned about is that these horses are running around the pitch. So they're going to dig up horses by their very nature. They're heavy. This pitch could be out of commission for quite some time. Yeah, possibly at least it's a month and maybe more. It's 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 you know this isn't the first time. Unfortunately, we've had trouble in Miller's Lane. Um, but yeah, certainly it looks like um, from the videos and, and from seeing it myself, I'd say we're definitely gone for a few weeks anyway. And you know we've only one pitch, Kate. So now I have to tell three hundred kids this morning that they're homeless again for another while. 
Now you've been so, after you've been after the council, so you have um, to put railings around and fencing around uh, the pitch to stop this very action. Um, yeah, well, well, this yeah, this is an antisocial behaviour, Keith. I mean, we work very hard with the community up there, and and Bowes is a very much community based club. John will agree and uh, agree on that one. But like, you know, I've been, I've done everything I've been asked to do. I'm I'm jumping through hoops trying to get the facilities organised up in Miller's Lane, and and look, there's been plenty of talk about it. But now we need to start taking action. This is ridiculous. Time and time again, we've spoken about Miller's Lane and the antisocial behaviour and all that's wrong with it. But if we don't put in the effort and, and do the work, it's never going to be right. And and I think this needs to start happening now. You know, enough talk. John, what's your take on this? I mean, I, I know that there's there's been clusters of houses in the Rahun General area, but they, they were more on the letter roadside of things. Uh, and to be honest, you can't yep. work from the letter roadside of things to um, Miller's Lane, you'd have to get onto the main road. There is a little pathway. But these horses don't have sat-navs. They didn't bring themselves down there for the sake of going down there. Yeah. Look, I, I just want to say a couple of things, you know, because, you know, to be mentioned there a few times, Anthony's mentioned he's right, like, and, you know, unfortunately, this is two days in a row I'm talking to you. But I, I suppose I live here about 20 years, and I, I actually think I, I live in a great place. I'm very fortunate. We have very good amenities, facilities close to us. We have the, a good bus service. We have the commercial area. We have Gates, Gubbett, Gowley. Yeah, we have actually a great community around here. Yes, both. Yeah, and, 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 and I suppose, not, and just, Keith, again, like, Anthony, the, the first thing I want to say to Anthony is that uh, I've been delighted to work with the club, uh, and I continue to do so. And we have made some improvements there. Um, obviously, the, a certain amount of the pitch has been, been fenced, not at all. Uh, and there is new uh, backstop netting behind the goals. Uh, and other small bits have been done. Uh, and I know he said, right, the first thing I would say is that we need to make sure, and the council have to look now at providing all Bohemians with an alternative facility for some period to make sure that the children they provide their services to are not at a loss. And I think that should happen immediately. But and I don't think there should be any, any issue with that. But going back to your question, Keith, like, and, and this is relative to Anthony's point, from my perspective, and I think we're agreeing on something here, these were brought here with intent, right? You know, you could have a cage around the pitch. And whoever did this was going to do this. And whatever environmental changes we make to make the place better, uh, and that's what most of them are doing, right? Uh, people will try and overcome them if they have bad motivation and if they're not doing, if they're not, they don't share the community vision that we all have. Yeah. So there was intent here. These people were going to release these horses onto the pitches um, or they were going to get on there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they the environmental it. changes they did that it. we would have made, the, vi- the, the, exactly. the video is there. I think now what should happen is these horses should be lifted and the owner should not get them back. End of story. Take them away, deal yeah, with them. Yeah. And that's another cost to the city council as well. You're looking it at about €1,200 Euro per, per animal just to get rid of them. And it's not the animal's fault, yeah, it's the Egypts that brought them in there and put them in on a playing pitch. I cannot get my head Absolutely. around this. Well, that's it, Keith. I mean, you said it there. I know John said about the fence around the pitch. If the fence was around the pitch, those guys just let the horses go. They're not going to. They're not going to guide them in anywhere. And if there's a perimeter fence around playing pitches around the town, the horses will go around the edges. They won't be able to jump the fences. All right, there could be someone will go to the extra effort of opening the gate and letting them in there. But most of these guys will just jump and run. That's it. They're mindless thugs and they're criminals. That's exactly what they are. And it's time people started taking action or the council need to step up and start sorting this out because it's not good enough that the clubs and the voluntary um, organisations that are providing facilities for these kids to keep them out of trouble and keep their mental health and their well-being going are the ones that are losing out, always and ever. It's not good enough. 
John, is there any way that the Gardaí can impound yeah. these? You say they're on site, so they're sworn, but I mean, there's five big yeah, large... the Gardaí are there. The, the yeah. Gardaí are there. Can the Gardaí yeah, ensure so that they're not taken by the owners now? Because the, the owners are in bed, let's face facts now at this stage. They're in bed, or, or they're, they're, they're certainly not up at this hour. But if it's a thing that the Gardaí could take them and impound them, and just deal with them from there... Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. Th- I think that's the responsibility of the local authority, Keith. And my understanding of it is, is that the local authority, have, local authority, have a contract with a company who do that, and that they are they have been contacted this morning about it. My understanding too, maybe you'd be more aware of this than I am, but every horse has to be microchipped, uh, and there's a register of horse and their owners kept with the local district veterinary office or with the Department of Agriculture. Yeah. Um, so look, you know, I I don't know if that if, if, if these horses have gone through that process. Um, but look, the local authority have a service to 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 gather them, to bring them away, um, and to store them. Um, but again, you know that there is a cost in that, and there is a question as to what happens to them after that, uh, and that will all have to be resolved in this instance. Well, um, again, Kate, Mike, listen, Mike, 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 thanks for having us on, Keith. But like, we're, this is all reactive, let's. I mean, that's exactly what we're doing. We're being reactive. Yeah. We need to be proactive. And we need yeah. to stop this behaviour from the start before it even gets off the ground. Yeah. And it's the same with the vandalism around the area. There needs to be a different approach to this or else it'll continue to be the same thing and we'll be back here again next year or next week or next month talking about the same issues. So It's uh, just not good enough. John, I know you have to go to meetings. I'm going to let you go there. But Anthony, what would you like to do? I mean, what, what what's the best thing to do? Is fencing the best thing to do on this one? Well, fencing is only part of the issue, Keith. I mean, it's just... I don't, like... Okay... I'll give you an example from our club. That is the only pitch we operate on. It's the yeah. only pitch we have a license on. We have a, gi- a giant license on the top pitch as well, but it's not, you know, two soccer clubs on one pitch is not suitable. But the city council needs to look at it at a, at a, on a holistic approach and they need to bring the clubs back in and get them involved so that they can work together to provide facilities to stop this happening. I mean, it, it was too easy for those guys, whoever they were, to leave those horses in in Miller's Lane last night. It was just, you know, they literally just walked them in. I mean, there's no, and I'm not asking to, I'm not suggesting that we shut off facilities to the public. I'm not doing that for one minute. But like, an animal will not jump over a fence. He'll go around the less path of resistance. So we have to make sure that we're protecting the playing surfaces for all of the community. Not just for the clubs, for the community that use them. Yeah. Because nobody's going to be able to use that pitch now. Not even the members of the public. Because there's obviously going to be tore up. So it's just, I'm so frustrated and I apologise for maybe sounding a bit irate, but... I've been banging the drum here for quite a number of years and it just seems to be falling on deaf ears and you go into a meeting, you talk about it, you come out, you think you're getting somewhere and then two or three years later you're still in a similar position and it's uh, just not good enough. And actually you're right and, and I apologise, I am reacting because I'm furious. You're furious. Oh absolutely but Keith, and I'm not. I'm reacting because I'm absolutely flipping furious. I'm beyond yeah. Well, I just have to go and tell the kids, like, my heart is broken. You know how passionate I'm about giving Absolutely. these kids somewhere to play football. Yeah. It's not about winning trophies. It's about keeping kids out of trouble and keeping them on the pitch. I grew up in the middle of town. I know what it's like not to have pastimes and outdoor activities and team involvement in sports. And it's so important that these kids get that. And now these kids are going to suffer. Yeah. And it's back to, back to the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's lots, no. of com- there's lots of comments coming in today, Anthony, and I just can't broadcast them. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to spare you the, the thought process yeah. and the time of, of texting uh, the text line yeah. today, 06 I can't broadcast them. And I think, Anthony, yeah. what you're saying is, let's, let's, let's step back from this. Let these five animals or eight animals, whatever is there, that the Gardaí have yeah. are, are on site, let them be taken okay. away. Let their owners, if, if they want them, let them pay for the rehabilitation of the pitches. 
and bring them off yeah, to their I own think- farm and deal with them. But they shouldn't have taken yeah. them from wherever they were and put them in on the ma- on, on the pitches. That to no, me is... And it's not the animal's fault. Poor old animals, you know, obviously they don't probably don't have the best life if they're being released like that. But, you know, you can't blame the animals for it. But unfortunately, the owners, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, I mean, people have no responsibilities at all or they don't seem to have any morals or... It's just... It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And I'm, I'm actually calling on the council to sit up now and actually come and engage with the community clubs and start talking and start to be proactive and see if we can figure out solutions to these issues. Because there are solutions. It's just a matter of changing the culture and the mindset of people around the area. And that's not just the people involved in the clubs. It's everybody that's in that community, yeah. including the people that own the horses. It's the only way you're going to get things to change is to educate people to change the mindset and change the culture of people around yeah. you. So. And again, and again, yesterday morning we spoke with Councillor Connolly because the trees were cut down. Uh, somebody had a, yeah. somebody had a, a, a wrench car for, for taking a wheel wheel wrench or whatever we call it wheel brace, and uh, they smashed the um, bus uh, stop in the area there. Uh, and they, they shocking! Cu- I mean, they cut the trees so, down. It's blatant disregard for people's property and public property. Like it's just not good enough. Mm. Not, you know. It's not fair in the community, and John John Connie speaks so fondly of the community. And we know the community very well, but just it's a great this is, it is a great community, and I know that you have relations living in the area as well. But, but yeah, th- this just is. has to. This just has it's to. It's a minority. Point. It's a minority, Keith. But you we know, we a can't identify them. We can't identify them, Anthony. We just can't identify them. Um, yeah, it, absolutely, but uh, you know, it, it's just. It's time now we d- we took action. You know, something has to happen because it's just not good enough. It seems to be Miller's Lane. It comes up an awful lot in conversation when it comes to bad publicity and antisocial behaviour and all these other, um, you know, drug abuse and different things. It's just not good enough. There has to be a solution. There has to be joined up thinking and a holistic approach, approach between the city council, the clubs, the community and also the local guards. Okay. It has to happen. It does. And uh, I, I just hope, I mean, I, I saw the video and I'm, I'm getting more f- um, photographs coming into me as we speak. And, um, um, like being honest, Keith, the, the pitch was already under pressure because there's quite a lot of kids on it. And now yeah. it's just, I know myself, it's, it's done. That's it. It's gone for, you know, it's quite soft. The ground is quite soft with all the rain. So, you know, and there is nowhere else we can go. So the city council, you know, I'll be on to them and see if we could sort something out. But we don't have an alternative venue. Okay. We don't have a license anywhere else. If you have further information for us during the programme, would you mind coming back to us? And you can just give us a call here. Uh, but Anthony, it's yeah. thrilled. Thank you indeed for joining us uh, today. And I, again, condolences to you for the pitch, but um, apologies for my reactions. But I'm just fuming. Really, when you see that, I was driving in the car and I pulled in at Bushy Park Church there uh, because the texts were coming in hot and heavy. And then I see the photographs. And then I see, and then I decide I'll swing over. And then I decide I'm not going to make myself that cross. and go over and see that the horse is in there. It's not the horse's fault. Anyway, your thoughts and comments that I can broadcast, please, to 086 3833 We're back after these. Now, keep the comments coming into us. Uh, there's the majority of them I can't broadcast, uh, to be honest. Uh, but if you want to keep them coming in, those that I can broadcast, I will uh, broadcast. But just to kind of give you an idea of some of the comments coming in, somebody just sends in a text to me, Keith, horse meat is tasty, you know. Really and truly? Is that what we want this hour of the morning? Now, let's move on today because Shane Armstrong joins me. And Shane is... Um, he works for Vortec Water Solutions in Galway, and the company is a local startup originally spun out of the University of Galway, providing industrial waste water treatment uh, solutions. But they're running uh, the Vortec Sea to Sky Three Peaks Challenge fundraiser for a lady with MS, and he joins me in studio. 
Do you just like a challenge in the Vortec Water Solutions Company? Yeah, yeah. No, we uh, we love a challenge, and uh, we have a great group of uh, people in the company there, and uh, just a, a great cause to, to get behind. So, how did you pick this cause? Uh, this cause, and how did you get involved? Um, I suppose it was a uh, uh, we're a fairly active group of people, but um, uh, I suppose uh, Sarah uh, will be talking to us now is a is a good friend of the company. And uh, yeah, we, we heard her, her inspiring story and uh, found out that she had much uh, need of, uh, uh, she has much needed, need, has, excuse me, she has uh, much need of uh, to raise funds for uh, treatment for MS, uh, progressive MS. And uh, yeah, no, we, uh, we decided to get together and uh, organize a, a fundraiser. And uh, yeah, as I said, we're all very active people and uh, we want to make a challenge worthy of the cause. So uh, we uh, decided to because she's challenged now with uh, where she is in life and she needs treatment yeah. so you're taking on this challenge um, you could have just picked one like but no three Irish peaks is what you're going for yeah yeah we wanted to uh, catch people's attention and uh, yeah look we, we, we like a challenge as, as, as we say and uh, yeah three uh, beautiful mountains we're going to Sleeve Donard in 24 hours yeah yeah uh, Patrick down Karen Tool. Uh so uh, yeah we'll uh It'll be a challenge, but uh, we think uh, we think the uh, the, uh, the, the chat, we're up for the challenge, and everything's organised. How many of you are going to do it? Uh, we have a team of about twenty-five to thirty people. Get away! Yeah, yeah. So between uh, ourselves and the company, friends, partners, uh, yeah, we have a, a nice little group. And and you all going to do it? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're all we're twenty-five. Gonna, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. So where are you starting out then? We're going to start in uh, Sleeve Donard, uh, so it's, which is uh, County Down. And then we're going to go to uh, Crowpatrick and do a night climb in County Mayo. And then we're going to fly down to Karen Tuhill. And uh, hopefully by the time we get to top Karen Tuhill, that'll be the 24 hours. When you say fly, are you going to drive fast? Or are you we're, going to, uh, we're going to drive nice and safe, but uh, we're going to make good time, I think. And uh, yeah. But you're going to go by vehicle? Vehicle, yeah. No, no flying. <laughs> down to Karen Tuhill? Karen Tuhill, yeah. And then start there? Uh, no, no, we're going to start and sleep No, no, but I mean, you're going to, once you get there, you'll get up and... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll start there, uh, and it's constantly will be yeah. Within twenty four hours, we're going to be. And what what time over. are you going to start and leave Donard? Uh, we're hoping around afternoon time, and then by the time afternoon comes around the next day, we'll be at the top of Carntool. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It must be the youth in the twenty five years. That's, that's. I mean, I'm looking at your story. I'm saying. one of the. Yeah, I mean, look, we're young. We're young. You're, we're a young group, but uh, there's there's all ages in there, and uh, I suppose we're united by. Uh, Spirit of getting behind Sarah and uh, fundraising for her, so that's the motivation. And it's happening on the 22nd of March? Happening on the 22nd of March, which is uh, World Water Day, uh, as it happens, which ties in nicely to, to what we do. And uh, yeah, that's. What am I going to do with you? Sarah joins me on the line. Sarah, good morning to you. How are you today? Good morning, Keith. I'm good, thank you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You, you've got um, progressive multiple sclerosis, PPMS. And yeah, it's, it's quite rare. Progressive. There's different types of MS, yeah. Uh, no, I I was originally um, diagnosed in 2019. Um, I had a load of things building up to it, and I think now it all makes sense, uh, like lots of things for a few years, but piecing them together, when they said to me, you know, they thought it was vertigo, falling over a lot, you know, problems with my eyes, and I think people thought I was a hypochondriac for a while, and I felt upset. It was sort of my mum would say, what's wrong with you now? But piecing it all together... I never knew what multiple sclerosis was, but 
I think once I very straightened and being pointed in different directions and helped by friends and mothers and at the school gate, I got to see, um, they said, I think you need to see an ear, nose, throat consultant. And I think that was the start of it because, I mean, GPs are excellent, but, you know, they're not trained in specific specialities like to pick up certain things. So I think a person knows themselves when they've health problems and they should always investigate that and maybe I think possibly if I'd had an MRI a lot sooner then it would have all made sense because once you have an MRI then it all made sense it was all well actually you've lesions all over your brain and spine and you know what multiple sclerosis is and I sort of thought no don't but you know how do I fix it I've got it go on so um, and I felt guilty I thought god I don't know what this is that's so bad I'd heard of it Mm. Um, and I think your immediate thing, I wasn't, I'm kind of, I know people deal with things differently. I just kind of, was I upset? No, I just thought, right, I've got something. I said, right now. So what do we do now? We'll fix a it. neurologist. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you think you'll, we'll fix this now. We'll get on with this and everything will be good. Yeah, right? no, I, when you're told something, I think you kind of, well, a lot of people are like me, especially, I'll be like, well, what do we do to fix it? What can I do? How do we do it? Um, yeah. I'll, whatever it is, I'll do it. And then they try various, so with me, it's then they slowly realize, well, actually, you're not relapsing, remitting. So that type of MS means you have these relapses and then you go into remission. And remission can be for a long time. A lot of people can leave very ordinary lives. And I'm not saying it's easier, there's different, but with progressive MS, your symptoms get worse. So you're like on a constant getting worse. So at the start, my progression was slow. And then they give you all these different types of medications. And I go for infu- I was going for infusion treatments, and they get stronger. But unfortunately, these they're called DMTs meds. They're quite strong and very hard on the system, and my immune system's shot. Um, it's like living with COVID all the time. Like I'm sort of, I, you know, for me, <laughs> COVID wasn't that bad. I was in the period of isolating because I live close to the beach. Thank God, I, I'm so lucky to live near the sea, um, and so. Um, you know, I'm used to doing that. Um, I'm sort of waffling now. So, no progressive MS is no. difficult because you don't have any remission. And whilst these drugs work to slow it, they, there's no cure for MS. We know that. Um, so, these drugs help to ho- um, slow it, but they can't stop progression. But you, so for me, you, yeah, you you've qualified for rare but uh, expensive stem cell treatment. Yeah, I did because. The stem cell treatment, a, a transplant is not just a treatment, it's a very serious operation. Um, I do did qualify. I did look for support in Ireland. I couldn't get it. My neurologist, when I asked four years ago, said, look, there's not enough being done on it. Now yeah. he's completely changed his mind. And I met with him after Christmas and I said to him, you know, that I'd been approved for stem cell transplant in London. And that's that's tough criteria, let me tell you, because people are asking me, well, how do you get it and can I get it? And I absolutely hope that more people can because now neurologists are actually accepting it as a good, okay. uh, you know, uh, it's not a miracle treatment, but no. it does work for the majority of people. And how much, like, is, that, how much is that going to cost, can I ask you, Sarah? You see, that was the frightening thing. So uh, when you get the news and it's like, you've been approved for the treatment, it's huge. You think, oh my God, I'm so lucky I've been approved. And then I tell my husband, he goes, I don't know how you think you're going to get that kind of money. And I was like, you know, crestfallen. And I thought, you know, people are really good. But it's, I think we are both come from a background where we're fairly humble and we don't like asking for help. And there's so many worthy causes and so many people looking for help, especially... You know, there's young children, there's, you know, all sorts of things and, you know, going on in the world. So asking for help is a tough thing. But I think then people say to you, you know, you have to ask and people want to help. And I know in this country, we're very lucky. 
not to patronise people, but they are the Irish people. They want to help. Uh, but it's just, I guess, for me, it is. So in terms of cost, 85,000 sterling, um, about 100,000 euros for the, the stem cell transplant itself. But there are a lot of extra costs, which I suppose on top of that, like, you know, causes such a serious treatment, there's a risk of death like there is with everything, but there's a lot of legal papers to sign and all of this. There's a lot of things that can happen, but I mean, you're going to be in the best possible place. You're going to be in a hospital. So yeah. all these awful things that can happen to you, but there's, like, kind of you know, there's contingency costs we have to try and budget for and being close to the hospital, having constant tests and bloods and accommodation and various things that I suppose people think not only is it so huge to pay for the treatment, and unfortunately, no people say, so why is the HSE not paying for it? And I've been down that road and it's very hard to explain to people. They follow like the same criteria as the, um, uh, what do you call them, NHS. And the criteria is you must have very active lesions. You must have relapsing, remitting and active lesions. But I now know from my neurologist that he has a patient he's putting forward for stem cell and wanting to get funding for them in Ireland and they won't give it to them because they don't have enough active lesions. And you feel okay. like saying, well, how many active lesions would you, you want? Yeah. You know what I mean? The criteria needs to be looked at. But the lads indeed yeah. are going to, um, they're going to raise as much money as possible for you. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. It really is. You're, yeah, I'm you're laughing because you said about the age group, and I said, "Well, my husband's in his fifties, and I, I don't know. He used to, he's got out boots that he had, and I said, he's, they're like, he said they're about twenty years old, and I said they are not. They're about thirty. I think you're doting, and he's getting out his old gear, and he's in his fifties. So yeah, is he, and is he going to do the three peaks with them? Yeah, he is. Good luck with that. You need another fund to keep putting him back together so you will. Don't know about the boots. I'm laughing because I was like, they were getting waxed and, and, and I was like, oh, would you not like a pair of boots? I'm sure we could stretch to get you a pair of boots and he's down to Aldi to get the best socks. Good <laughs> Adam, he's, 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 he's a man with good taste. So yes, stay with you, yeah. Sarah. Let me go to Shane. Shane, how much, how much are you hoping to raise? But this is very... Uh, your yeah. story is compelling, so I can see why you're doing it now. Yeah, yeah, no, we're all very inspired. Uh, the target is uh, 60,000, and uh, we're already at, I think, about 17,000 around that mark. Okay. So it's How can people cool. donate? Uh, people can uh, donate by going to uh, GoFundMe, uh, gofundme.com, and yeah. you can search for the name of the challenge is uh, Vortec uh, Sea to Sky Three Peaks Challenge. So you can actually go to gofundme.com and you can type in either Vortec, that's V-O-R-T-E-C-H, or you could type in uh, Sea to Sky as well and it should come up and there should be a thumbnail there and you'll see a picture of Sarah. I hope a lot of people do uh, get involved with it. Good luck with it. It's, it's a major it's a major challenge. Are you, are you training every week? Um, trying to. Uh, I can't speak for everyone else, but I'm trying to do a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, I think everyone's everyone's doing a bit and we're... Uh, yeah, look, we're just we're super excited and inspired by uh, Sarah's story. We just want to okay, get so it as best we can. V O R T E C H C to Sky Three Peaks, three if peaks you, Challenge. Challenge, yeah. if you can assist in any way. Yeah. And Sarah, I hope they raise loads of money. And when do you hope to go for yeah. the treatment briefly? Oh, it's, it depends. You see, I'm, I have to have all the uh, funds in full to pay for the treatment. So, um, and then they allocate between all the various departments. There, they obviously they have a team. So, I mean, maybe. April or May, if they can fit me in, because I know there's other people. They had given me a date, but we didn't just have the money raised on time. So it's sort of, yeah, it's a little bit, my mobility is getting a lot worse. So I suppose we are more in a hurry, more so in the last six months I've declined. Um, 
I'm a very positive person and I, I, uh, the sea to sky is very appealing to me. I wish I could do the challenge with them, but I'm, I would swim in the sea. I use the cold water as, as a help Therap- for me with my MS. But Lisa. yeah, so hopefully, fingers crossed. Keep, keep, keep in contact with us, uh, Sarah Irvine. Regards yeah. to your 50-year-old husband, God love him, and his old boots and his and his Aldi socks. We wish him the very best on that challenge. Uh, but um, Shane, come back and let us know how you get on. But thank you indeed for, for what you've done and uh, thank you for what you, you've done as a company, Vortec, as well. And uh, enjoy uh, Platform 94, where you're based. And uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, yet to come on the programme, by the way, we have uh, loads more to come. Uh, we're looking at another um, health issue indeed next, so stay based for that. Uh, we're looking at Galway systems-based therapy as well. And we have much more, and we'll give you some of the comments as well, just after 10 o'clock and what's happening in Miller's Lane. Uh, we have somebody just checking it out for us now to see have those horses been uh, removed or they've been at least corralled, so they're not doing any further damage uh, to the pitch on Miller's Lane. We'll come back with that and more shortly. Stay tuned for that and more to come on today's programme. A very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. System-based therapy, they're based in Galway and I'm joined on in studio by Emer Casey, who's a registered family uh, therapist and uh, Maria Montero indeed joins you on the line as well. Uh, good morning to both of you and thank you both for joining us uh, today. Uh, thanks for joining. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about systems-based therapy, can I ask you, Emer? How does this work? And you do this virtually, so you do. We do. Thanks very much for having us, Keith. Yeah, we work online and we work primarily with families, couples and also individuals. So the two of us, myself and Marion, are on every call with the family or whoever we're working with. So you have two therapists then on the call. Yes. Is that is that good to try and do the yin and the yang and to try and keep things on, on track? Well, it's really good, Keith, for collaboration because we both have different skill sets and we both have come from different backgrounds. So combining those um, skills and educations and backgrounds, we, it's, two heads are better than one, basically. Uh, yeah, but I suppose you're going in, and Marion, you're there as well, but I suppose sometimes you can be going in to say to a very volatile situation, be it a family conflict or be it a couple's conflict or whatever. So how how do you break that down, Marion, or how do you start that so that it doesn't flare up again? Well, basically, I suppose the first rule of thumb really is to slow everything right down because oftentimes people want to tell you the story right away in depth very rapidly because they're very anxious, obviously, when they first come in. So our first kind of strategy really is to just slow it down to reassure people that we understand what they're going through right now sitting, if you like, talking to us. And so there's a lot of reassurance and there's a lot of yeah, just slowing down the whole process and trying to make sure that whoever's in front of you, that they have an equal say. That's very important so that one person doesn't dominate, if you like, the whole situation. And can I go back to you, Emer, on this one? So say there's a lot of hurt involved in this and the person um, on, on one side or the other feels very hurt. How do you deal with that? Well, it's amazing how calming it is for someone to be listened to. So as Marion said, when we slow it down, when we become very curious about the person's position, that can often have a transformative effect because 
previously maybe people haven't been listened to or one person's voice has dominated in a family or there's been so much fighting that no one is listening to anyone. So just being listened to and being reassured really about the normal the normality sometimes of some of these things which are kept behind closed doors a lot but actually most times the struggles that families are facing are much more normal than they might realize mm. and marion going into it so i think the the good thing about what we're talking about here today is that um, systems based therapy is that the two of you are together on this one so you you can support each other but is there ever a time yes. that you you go into a meeting like this or you come out from a meeting like this and you would say to Emer, oh my God, I thought we'd never get out of that. Um, I have to say that that fortunately is very seldom because it's we pretty much hold every, um, heard everything now. You know, so it's, Nothing now is, is is a very strange situation to us. Whilst families, couples and individuals are unique, a lot of these stories, fairly traumatic ones, we've actually heard heard it before. And I guess now at this point, long in the truth and experienced enough not to feel, you know, completely rattled ourselves at the end of a session. Mm. But it is good to be have each other's to debrief and to really think things through, bounce ideas off. That's really helpful. Ima, you said before you came into the studio and I was talking to you that, um, you know, working with families um, and the way that you do this um, facilitates so that if the thing that your family members, four or five of them, one is in the States, one is in Dublin, two are in Galway, that this remote way of of doing it uh, has been very successful for you. It's brilliant, Keith, and we would never have, have found out about it without COVID, really. You know, COVID was dreadful on one side, but it did bring bring positive changes in mm. other areas. This was one of the positive changes because before this, most therapists, individual, family, couples therapists would have said, really working online is not going to work. But when we were thrown into it, when we got the experience of it, you know, it's amazing. The first person I saw online, I said to the woman, I was very nervous because I wasn't used to it. And I said to her, you know, how did you find this? She was in her home, I was in my home. And she said, oh my God, it's been so nice to be able to stay at home, not have to travel, find parking, the stress of going into the meeting anyway. And I'm in my safe space here. Hmm. You know, we hadn't thought of those issues really before. And time and time again during COVID, people were telling us that. Plus, we were able to see people who were living on different continents, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah. is amazing, really. Maria Montero, can I ask you, I mean, is there is there always a solution or how long would it take to get a solution? Because we could have people listening to us today that find themselves in conflict with um, a fellow employee, a family member, a mother, a father, uh, a brother, a sister, whatever. But uh, how, lo- how long would it take to try and bring it to whatever level you can bring it to? That depends on the complexity of the situation, really. Sometimes people are hoping for a straightforward answer um, to difficulties. But oftentimes, if a problem has been a long time evolving, sometimes then it takes quite a while to sort of tease it out and actually find sort of 
positive way forwards, if you like. Um, but as Ema was saying there, oftentimes, sometimes, in talking about it, it can sometimes just miraculously melt away too. Some problems, that is, where there has been maybe a lot of misunderstanding, um, hurt in the past that has sort of overshadowed everything. Um, but I think that we we really help people, I think, to be patient because we've got to be patient ourselves and really try and deeply understand what has gone on. Um, so, yeah, sometimes there, there are easy answers depending on how long a problem has gone on for, but also how willing people are to actually engage in a task together, doing something and actually being a little bit savvy if you like and psychologically minded and oftentimes people are on very different pages when they come but if there is a willingness to actually to reach out to each other again or to actually be supportive to each other then things can go very very swiftly um coming back to you how do you manage expectations when people when people are brave enough and good enough to agree to go into a, a situation like this and go to systems-based therapy um, how do you manage the expectations that it's not going to be magic after the first session? We address that immediately, really. We, we, we tease out what their expectations are as a first step so that we can clarify, you know, um, ideas they have and help them understand, you know, if this, sometimes we're, we're working with families where a problem has gone back, sometimes decades. So, you know, realistically, that is going to take a while to unravel. But is it, po- is it possible to get to the bottom of it and, and come to us, not even a solution, but a workable solution? It absolutely is. You know, the solution isn't a word we'd, you know, use, use a lot. Much more healing and uh, people being able to, able to move forward finding some way of moving forward despite everything that's happened. Mm. But Marion, in, in relation to healing is one aspect of it, but it's, it's, it's an ongoing healing that Jean may not be present for, but it's how to manage it once you're not there. Yeah, now, and that's another thing we emphasise. It's, it's as important, the work that people do in between sessions as what actually happens in sessions because the magic is in what the couple or what the family or, or what the individual make of therapy themselves. And, you know, we're there with them for a very limited period of time. So that's what it's dependent upon, really. You know, some people are very, very good at doing this and other people, they kind of struggle a little bit, but eventually they get into the rhythm and begin to understand therapy because it is a very alien and difficult concept for us, uh, you know, unfortunately. And Ima and myself were really completely dedicated to try and make talking a very ordinary business um, because we know that so much good can come of actually be people being able to talk to each other. And uh, finally coming to you, Imran, this one then, I mean, um, where can they get further details on what we're talking about? Okay, so our website, Keith, is www.sbt.ie and the phone number is 87 49116167 Give me that number again if you don't mind. So it's 
And then get further details from SBTS as in Sean, B as in B, and T as in Tom.ie for further details uh, from there. That's and, it. And is there a lower level age profile that you would um, prefer to start with? Uh, yes. Adults, actually. Yeah, we start with the parents. In a family situation, we always start with the parents. I mean, I don't know if you have kids yourself, Keith, you probably have, but most younger children or adolescents don't want to be in meetings like this. Mm -hmm. And if we can avoid that, and normally it can be avoided with parents working well with us, which is brilliant. Well, the children should be spared conflict. Exactly, exactly. Thank you both for joining us uh, today. SPT, uh, BT as in Brian. So S for Sean, B for Brian, T for town, uh, .ie for further details. 87 Thank you both for joining us uh, today on the programme. Thank you so much, Keith. Not at all. Further details again, just that um, address is SB as in Brian, T as in Tom, .ie and 87